Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. Praise the Lord, everybody. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Everyone has it? Verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing, the Jordan, to possess. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Verse 3. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful. Everyone say, be careful. That you do not... Forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Let's pray. Father, we come before your presence. We thank you, Lord, for the amazing privilege, opportunity that we have to be in your house today. We thank you, God, because we've worshipped you. We've, we've been free to raise our hands. We've been free to lift our voices. We've been free, God, to just spend some moments in, in worship. Now, some of us come with different burdens. Some of us come with different thoughts in our minds. Some of us have come with different challenges today, Lord. But we know that when we come to your house, that you, Lord, are present and that we are here, God, to receive your word and to receive rest in your spirit. And we just ask you that you speak into our lives that you speak into our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. Can someone give glory to God today by giving God a hand praise? Amen. You may be seated. I've been excited all week about today. I've been looking forward to, to what we're doing today, the the. the the baptisms that we're going to have in a few moments. We're, I've been excited about the word I'm sharing with you. It's been preaching to me, and I think that that's a good thing when it's preaching to me. I believe it's going to preach to you, amen. So I hope you get excited with me today. Can you get excited today? 
Will you guys help me preach today? Amen? All right. So last week, we, we started a new sermon series that we're calling Love Displayed. And the whole uh, the central theme of this is that we all know that God loves us. I think we, we all have that context, that understanding that God loves us. And we all know, we all know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We understand the concept that God loves me, that God loves you, and that God is here uh, to, to do something for us. Amen? We understand that. We, we, we get that in our heads. But the thing that sometimes isn't very clear to you or to me is how do we return that love to God? How do we display our love for Jesus in our lives? Last week, we spoke from the subject of um, obey to display. If that When you and I love someone, when you and I love something, we, we tend to obey, we tend to listen, we tend to conform to whatever that thing is that we love. Okay, that, that the thing that moves us to do great things for something is love for that thing. Love for that organization. Love for that person. Remember when we were dating and we promised our wives that I will give you the moon and the stars? Or was I the only one that made that promise? Amen. I'll be a doctor for you. I'll be this and I'll be that. And, and we promise all these things out of love. And today, today we, we, that was last week, and I invite you that if, that if you want to hear that, go to our podcast and listen to that. Uh, I think it's, it's something that really would help us. But today we're going to talk about being, uh, going to another level and not just obeying God, but being, living our lives in a way that is centered on God, centered on God. And when we, when we talk about being centered, when we talk about how we live our lives, to be honest with you, I think that we can all agree with this, is that priorities in our lives govern how we live our lives. Praise God. Priorities in our lives will govern how we live our lives. We have a to-do list. We have these items in our mind that we know we have to do. Some of us on our devices may have an app where we write down our to-do list, our, our reminders, our, our different tasks that we have to take care of. And, and we allow our life to be governed by busyness. How many of you here would say that you're a busy person? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Okay, so everyone else is not too busy. God bless you. We wish we had your life. Our lives are governed by our busyness. The things that we need to do, the things that I need to accomplish, the things that, that need to be completed so that I can feel productive today, the things that I need to be able to cross off my list so that I can put one more thing behind me and look towards the next thing. The problem is, we come across a problem, amen, that, that although crossing an item off our to-do list gives us a sense of accomplishment, it, it quickly becomes apparent to you and to me that as soon as we cross that one thing off, that we have this sense of accomplishment, this pride, this productivity, this idea that we've mastered our time today and we did something good, the reality is that it's only short-lived because 
As soon as you cross that off, what do you notice? The next thing. There's another item. There's something else that needs to be done. There's that thing that we need to do, that task that we feel is our God-given responsibility to do. Because if you, or because if I don't clean out that drawer that's full, out of, full of junk mail, if I don't do it, even though it's been full for the past six months, if I don't do it, no one else is going to do it. And I have to get to it because if I don't, the universe is going to fall apart. Just the planets are going to disalign every, all these things, and it will have been my fault. The things that we believe we need to do are an endless, unstopping, perpetual cycle of things that we add. Turn to your neighbor and say, you add it. Oh, come on. Everybody's like, what? What did I add? We put on ourselves, we were just speaking, we were just talking about this, my wife and I, we, we, we put on ourselves these expectations that we think everybody else has of us. And we're running hard and we're running after that, trying to fulfill expectations that no one puts on you. You put them on yourself. And we live lives that are busy. We live lives that, that don't stop. We forget what we did Monday because we've been so busy on Tuesday and Wednesday. And we're like, what did I do on, on Monday? I can't even remember. I did something, though. And, and we, we forget. There's a book that um, we've been reading, I was reading, and one of the things that this author, Matt Perman, said is that it doesn't matter how efficient you are if you're doing the wrong things in the first place. See, the reality is that you and I can cross off a lot of stuff off the to-do list, and we can feel like we're being productive. We can feel like we're accomplishing something. We can feel like there is something that is getting done in our lives. But if we're doing the wrong things in the first place, what are we truly accomplishing? We become slaves to our own productivity or to the lack thereof that we're not accomplishing the things that we feel we need to accomplish. And the problem that gets that we lead to is that we begin to kick out things that we should be chasing after because there's just not enough time. So how do I move from living a busy life to living a life that although it's busy, Although it's hurried because we live in the city, we live in a major metropolitan city, and we live lives where we have children and we have things that we're doing with them. They have school, they have sports, they have all these different things. And how do we move from living a life that all the busy, God is right in the middle of it all. How can I bring harmony between my busyness and Jesus? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 3, I believe, is, is, it kind of talks on this. It says that, to give you a little context, okay? The people of Israel have left Egypt. They've been wandering in the desert. They've been lost in the desert. They've been wandering. And God has promised them a land 
that they are going to inherit. God has promised them a land that will be full of riches, that will be full of blessing for their lives. And they are at this point in Deuteronomy chapter 6. They are at a point where they're about to cross the Jordan River, which divides the, the where they're coming from to the place where they're going. And they're about to go take the land that God has promised them. And before they cross the land, Moses stops and says, hey guys, we need to have a meeting right now. We need to understand several things before we go and cross into this land. And in verse 3 he says, hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. And I think that Moses was trying to remind them at this moment, at this time, that even though God is going to give you this land, because when God gives us something, it's a blessing, amen? When God delivers something to us that we've been asking for, or we are using and it's helping us in our lives, it becomes a blessing. But he says that, be careful to obey so that you may go, that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey. And I think that Moses reminds them that although we're going into a land that has great blessings, there's milk and honey, that with those blessings there's going to come a responsibility because even though there's milk and honey, somebody's got to go collect the milk and the honey. Praise the Lord, somebody. Somebody's got to stop down Go get the milk, process it, boil it. I don't know what they would do back then before they can use it in their cereal. Somebody's got to go get the honey, make it usable for us, and make it usable for consumption. And in other words, you're about to go into a land where you're going to get busy. There's going to be stuff to do. There's going to be things to do. And at first glance, the solution seems easy. Well... How do I put God in a place where it's in harmony with my busyness, the tasks that I have to accomplish day in and day out? And for most of us, I think we would say, I know the answer, Pastor. I know the answer. What's the answer? Jesus. Right? Because Jesus is the answer for everything in church. Jesus is everything. This is what we preach. This is what we, we talk about. We, we, we just got to make Jesus our top Priority. But see, what happens is that when you and I put Jesus as our top priority, it's admirable. I, I, I agree. We need to put Jesus way up there. He should be number one in our lives. But when we look at him as a, only a priority, what happens? We begin to add Jesus to the to-do list. We begin to look at Jesus as another thing we have to cross off the list. While it's exciting at first, while it's something admirable, while it's something to, to go for, of, of course, we need to look for Jesus. We need to seek Jesus. But when you and I put him in a, in a list of, of rankings, because when we talk about priorities, we're ranking things. We're making an order of what's most important to what's the least important. What needs to get done right now? What can wait? What needs to be done today? What can be done next week? There's an order of things that need to be done. And while it's admirable to put Jesus on top, after a while what's going to happen is that it becomes a burden. 
And I, 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 I didn't get to Jesus today. I, I, didn't, I didn't pick up my Bible. I, I didn't read his word. I, oh my gosh, it's almost midnight and I still haven't prayed. And I know that if I kneel down to pray, I'm going to fall asleep on the bed. Uh, am I the only one that this has happened to? We get busy. We get busy. And yes, while we should make Jesus a priority, the truth is that, that Jesus transcends priorities. Jesus goes beyond a to-do list. And here's the truth that I want you to know today. That my love for God will center my life on God. That if I truly love God, if I'm truly in a place where my love relationship with God has moved me to obedience and now is moving me to center everything around God, then a priority list, a to-do list is not where Jesus is going to belong. And in verse 4, Moses keeps on going and says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. All. Go to the next slide, brother. See, uh, the word all. I was curious and I looked it up in the Hebrew to see what does all exactly mean. And you know what I found out? All means... Oh, it's very simple. There's nothing complex about it. When the Bible says that you and I should love God with everything that we have, it means that we should love God with all that we have. And if he says that we should love God with all of our heart, then all of our heart will belong to God. If he says we should love God with all of your soul, then all of my soul will belong to God and will love God. If I am to love God with all my strength, that means every step because it takes strength to take a step. How many agree with that? How many have been so tired and you just feel like we just moved to an apartment, okay? And... The other day, we got home pretty late. Hannah was asleep. Everyone was super tired. Thank God for elevators. Yes, we have, we have an apartment with an elevator. But we've been choosing lately to go up the stairs because we could, we could use to lose some calories along the way. And we've been going up the stairs, but that day, we were so tired that we didn't even feel like we, we had the strength to even walk to the elevator. We were that tired. Hannah was asleep. I knew I was going to have to kind of, I'm beyond the point of carrying her now. And, and I, I kind of have to drag her along with me. And, and it's like, come on, Hannah, wake up, wake up, wake up. We got to get to the apartment. We got to get to bed. And if Moses tells us, the Bible tells us to love God with all of your strength, that means that Every step I take that takes strength, every, every step, I, every foot I put forward, it should be a reflection of my love for God. Because all means all. It's not a partial love. It's not, okay, one foot will belong to God and the other foot belongs to me. Okay, this hand will do things for God and this hand will just serve me. 
my, my right side of my brain will serve God and the left side of my brain will do uh, other things. No, all means all. Let's try this again. Tell your neighbor all means all. <laughs> all means all. Every aspect of my life, every aspect of your life, everything that we do, our love for God will cause the reality that, uh, of, will cause a reflection of what God means to us. What his commands ask of us will do. What we read in the Bible as we understand it and as God reveals to us the things that we need to address in our hearts and God begins to convict certain things in our life, we begin to address those things because we love God and our life is centered on God. All, everything, our marriage It may not be in a good place right now, but guess what? It still belongs to God. And if God is asking you, you need to work on your marriage. You need to talk to your wife more. You need to take your wife out every once in a while. You need to pray for your husband. You need to respect your husband. God says, oh. In our finances. If God is the center of our life in everything that we do, there will be no problem in your heart that when it comes time time to receive our offerings and our tithes. This is an expression of my love for God. Here we go. I can't wait for that time. When it's time to receive, yes, in Jesus' name. Here, I'm going to be blessed because of this. Not only am I going to be blessed, I'm being a blessing to the house of the Lord. When there's a need in your friend, when there's a need in your family, when there's a need in your neighbor's house, because God has blessed you so greatly. And when he says all is all, and there's an opportunity for you to serve, whether it's financially, whether it's your time, whether it's whatever it may be, whatever God is telling you to do, you won't even question it once. Because all means all. Our parenting, our relationships with friends, with brothers, with sisters at the church, outside the church, at our job, our church family, our our to-do list as we make our to-do list. God is centered in it. God is in my life. This kind of echoes what Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says that trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all, say everyone say all, all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. See, when we get overwhelmed by our to-do list, when we get overwhelmed by the busyness of life, the reality is, church, that we are leaning in on our own strength. We're leaning in on our own understanding because when we trust in the Lord with everything that we have, he will, we will submit all of our ways to him. That means as when I wake up in the morning, I, I begin to make decisions based on my love for God. I'm going to help somebody today, okay? Some of you need to hear this. Some of you need to understand this in your lives. Loving God 
moves us to seek God, which releases us to say no to the meaningless and yes to the meaningful. Can someone say no today? Say no. Some of you haven't said no in a long time. Say no. I give you authority to say no. Say no. It's okay to say no to things. It's okay to say no to work at times. Uh, what's more important, two, um, two more hours of overtime or having a date night with your wife? Amen. What's more important, a night out with my buddies or a night out with my son? What is gonna t- what is gonna take precedence in my life? Am I gonna continue wasting my time assigning blame, or am I gonna take responsibility for where I find myself? See, when we center our lives, keeping up with the Joneses, it, it becomes less important. And providing a home where my family can function and live, that becomes the the, the priority. When we are centered in Christ, when we're centered in God, impressing my co-workers is not as important as mentoring my son and my daughter. When I'm centered in God, on God, remaining offended is no longer an option. I move on with my life. When I'm centered on God... I no longer chase after stuff. I no longer chase after the material things. It's okay if I'm driving a 10-year-old vehicle. It's okay if I don't have the latest iPhone. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I don't want it, but it's still okay. I will make it. I will survive. Because chasing after other stuff, material things, becomes less important than chasing after God. Or how about, what becomes more important, man? Eating some tacos or going to the gym? How about both, okay? We can, we can eat tacos on the way to the gym, right? We begin, we begin to order our life based on God's presence in our lives. Loving God begins to shift in our lives where we begin, we begin to clearly see the things that have meaning and the things that don't. We begin to understand that this is what is important. This is truly what I need to get done. This is truly something meaningful. And we begin to see things that are not as meaningful. I'm chasing after the wrong things. Isn't it, isn't it sad to think that maybe one day we're going to find ourselves at the end of our lives and, and we look back and, and we've, we've realized, you know what, I, I chased after all the wrong things. Yeah, I might be leaving my family a little bit of money. I may be leaving a house or two. I may be leaving something to them. But my family's broken. They don't even speak to each other. My sons, they, I hardly even talk to them. My daughter doesn't talk to me because we've been chasing after the wrong things. But when we center our lives upon God, things begin to become a little bit clearer. 
Things, our eyes begin to open up a little bit more. Though God blesses us, praise the Lord, church. Though God blesses us, we need to remember where those blessings have come from. Verse 10, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10 says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with, with all kinds of good things you did not provide, Wells you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. We have to understand that the very blessing that we've been asking God for can become the very thing that moves us away from God. Because we begin to idolize that blessing. And, and God makes it clear to the people of Israel, hey, you're going to get some cities, but you didn't build a city. Remember that. You're, you're going to have some homes, and they're going to be filled with all kinds of trinkets, all kinds of stuff. There's going to be some clutter of things there, but you did not provide any of the stuff that's there. You're going to be drinking from some wells that are good, and they taste great, and it's full of milk and honey, but you did not dig those wells. you got to remember, you didn't do it. And I, and I think we tend to forget, especially in the society that you and I live, where we, we begin to expect that we should be treated a certain way, that we deserve to be compensated at a certain level, that we deserve to be happy, we deserve to get that promotion, we deserve to be respected, we deserve all these things. We, well, we got to be careful that we don't forget God in the midst of all this. We can drive some nice cars, but where's God? We can have a beautiful big home, but where's God? We didn't do it. And the problem becomes that we start believing that everything we have was because of my strength. I put myself through school. I educated myself. I worked hard at my job. I moved up the corporate ladder. I moved up in this setting, and I... And I think there's times that you and I need to return to the Word of God and read these passages that reminds us, no, I didn't do a single thing for myself. I was lost in my sin. I was blind. I was lost in the world. But now that I can see because my life is centered on God, I have an understanding that nothing that I have belongs to me. I am simply a steward. I'm an administrator of the blessings that God has given me and what happens is that when we start thinking that these blessings are ours we begin to be closed in our hands we're closed fisted when God wants us to remain open handed although we may have our hands open and there may be things that slip through our hands remember it didn't belong to you but if you have your hands closed, how is God going to give you anything else? You can't take it. 
Your hands are closed. Open your hands. Understand that every blessing that God gives you, you're, you're an administrator of it. Open your hands so that it can flow in. It can flow out. More can come in. You can give more. You can receive more and you can give more. That's how it works, church. We got to understand that the blessings that God has given us, they're not ours. They're his. Because once we start, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. No, you can't use it. This is mine. They're asking for money again. They're asking for this again. They're asking me to do this. They want me to go to a small group. They want me to do this. They want me to do that. They want... Will it never end? No. Everything you and I have comes from our Father in heaven. It comes from our loving Father who loved you so much that he manifested himself in flesh, lived on this earth for 33 years, left us his word, went to the cross, died a brutal death. And as he took those lashings, those beatings, he was thinking of you. He was thinking of me. His hands were open. I've got all the power in the world. I am God. He was praying in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. I would like for this cup to pass, but it's not my will. I'll do what God is, what my Father in heaven has called me to do. I will remain open-handed so that the blessings that have been given to me can also bless others around me. See, here's the reality, church, that where God has loved us with an eternal love, that's what the Word of God says, that before you were even born... Before you were even a thought in your daddy's mind, God already loved you. God already knew you. Where he loves us with an eternal love, the truth is that if you and I are not careful, our love for God can be lost. Not because we're necessarily being super evil people trying to take over the world. No. Simply because we lose our focus. And we start looking at the things we need to get accomplished. The things we need to do. And we lose sight of God in it. When reality is that everything we do should orbit around the person of Jesus Christ. If we can learn to make God the center of our lives then our lives will revolve around him in everything we do. Jesus will not just be a priority in our lives, but our priorities will be ordered by him and around him. As you wake up in the morning, you make your to-do list, the first thing in your mind is God. And you begin to shine the light of God on your day. And you begin to, to, to meet with God. You begin to spend some time with God. And you begin to see what's meaningful in your life. And what's meaningless in your life. So can you imagine 
How would your home look if our, God, if our lives were truly centered on God? How would your relationship with your wife look? Jesus said that if, if you don't learn to hate your parents, to hate your wife, and, and you love them more than you love me, then there's a problem there. He's not literally saying that you got to look at them with hate, but he's saying that we have to understand that above all things, God is first. He transcends a list. I mean, we use the word first because we really have no other word. We, our, our English language just doesn't have anything else we can use. He's above it all. He's above it all. What will our jobs look like if God is first? How will our relationships look? How will our church look? How will our outlook, our perspective towards life look if God is first? I'm going to ask you to stand. My love for God will center my life on God. And I think there's some of us here today that we've been having a difficult time. We're living in a very busy season. I mean, school's about to start for a lot of, a lot of us tomorrow. And we've been leading up to this. Uh, football's about to start. There's some sports that are about to start up. And there's things that are really taking our time. We got to still shop for some school supplies. We still got to get some clothes. We got all these things that we have to do. And it reigns in our life. We live our lives based on this. Because once that busy season is over, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What, what's going to happen next? What do I got to get ready for? Okay, oh, convention's coming up. I got to get ready for convention. I got to get all the clothes ready. I got to make sure I have reservations. I got to make sure I have all these things. Okay, once that's over, what's next? Okay, there's football season's about to start. I got to make some travel plans. Labor Day is coming. What are we going to do for Labor Day, honey? Where are we going? What are we doing? Whose house is, are we going to go cook at? Hopefully they invite us. We get caught up in the busyness of life. We move from one busy season to the next. And Moses says, be careful. Church, Christian, believer, be careful that you don't forget the God that brought you here. Don't forget the God that brought you out of that sin. Don't forget the God that opened your eyes so you're not blind again anymore. Don't forget the God that has showered you with love, that has given, has poured out this amazing grace in your life. Don't forget the amazing God. Don't forget the God that loves you. Be careful, church. There is a God that loves you. And there is a God that is calling you. There is a God that is speaking to you. There is a God that is very real in our lives.
need to center our life on God. We need to center everything we do. Everything we do around Him. So I'm going to invite you. Come on up. We're going to come to this altar at this moment. We're going to come and just say, Lord, my life is all yours. I don't hold anything back. Yours is my life. Yours is my spirit. Yours is my strength. Everything, 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 everything belongs to you. Come on, church. Let's come up. We got to talk to God today. We need to ask God for forgiveness. We need to ask God for direction. We need to ask God to speak into our lives. We need to ask God to center 